0: Welcome to life unrestricted.
1: This is your show if you're sick of living a life controlled by food and exercise rules, and if you're ready to learn how to accept yourself and enjoy the heck out of life. My gig is about body image, femininity, self worth, and resilience. Come on, let's walk side by side as we slowly step out of restriction, misery, and unlock our true selves.
0: Your host, Merit Boxler, is a former national radio DJ, freelance journalist, speaker and writer with a passion to make women feel good in their bodies. This is a show brought to you live from Switzerland.
1: Well, hello, everybody. It's Merit again. Nice to have you back here. This is episode 4. And I'm really happy to bring this show to you because I had the honor to talk to Carrie-Anne Livingstone from Vancouver in Canada. And uh, yeah, we almost didn't stop talking and I had to edit and edit and edit and edit. But yeah, I want to make this digestible for you, so uh, I don't want to go much over an hour in the interview. So I I hope you're fine with that. So yes, Carrie-Anne. I've been connected to her for, I don't know, almost two years, I think, on the interwebs. And I heard some serious wisdom drop out of her mouth. No kidding. I don't think I'll ever get tired to watch her and listen to her because... Um, she's so real you know she gets right to the heart of the matter and you know it's no beating around the bush with her and you can have a good time with her. I love those qualities you know just be silly and at the same time go really deep. I appreciate those qualities and she just like me she just doesn't do small talk so we didn't which I love. I admire her for her courage and bravery and I can, safely attest to the fact that she's a real badass or let's say um, that she has let her real badass self out after having been disconnected from it for the longest time sounds familiar right Ooh. Carrie-Anne, she um, is now serving the world as a certified empowerment coach, impassioned speaker and edutainer, facilitating connection, authentic expression, self-acceptance and liberation for us, for open-hearted freedom seekers who want more joy and uh, aliveness in their life and less restriction. I mean, who doesn't, right? The concept that she teaches is is called daring to suck and she will tell us all about it and how it came about and um of course i'm going to link to everything and her websites she has two websites um in the show notes over at lifeunrestricted.org um yeah in the show notes for the show and let me tell you carrie-ann has some serious charm I called her via Skype, and the first thing she tells me after I said hi is, "You have a great voice." You think? Thanks. Oh yeah. It oh, it's very job. velvety. Oh, yeah. yeah. You want Ew, to tell yeah. Me nighttime <laughs> stories? Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. <sighs> this is good. We made it work. I'm yeah, little sure. greenhorn, as you see. So, <laughs> are you ready to start? Yeah. yeah? sure. All right. Ooh. I am so excited that you're here with us today. Hi, Carrie Anne. Me too. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a great pleasure. So now that you're here, tell us about you and your story. Oh gosh, I always I always jump in at different spots, but um, I am a
2: wife and a mother of two boys, and I. Currently in my life now, I'm a certified empowerment coach. I deal a lot with helping women connect with their emotions and be more fully expressed in the world. Uh, I'm a speaker and uh yeah that's my work now uh but a few years ago that wasn't the case a few years ago I was quite locked into a go along to get along sort of situation um which I can talk a little bit more about because that's also what I help yeah, people break so. free from so. uh, my go along uh, get along go along to get along situation was where I had bought into a lot of ideas that I picked up along the way that were not me. Um, a lot of, I should do this, I should do that. And my life got very small and my life got really limiting. And even when I got everything that I thought I wanted, I realized I was really still very unhappy. So it's a, a lot of people have this story. You know, A lot of people have this story lately. I think a lot of people are talking about it now. And that was uh, also mine. And I... Wasn't willing to make the change uh, consciously, so the universe did it for me through five years of devastating losses and gains and changes and tr- you know transformative events in my life that I felt somewhat powerless around, but they were actually gifts in disguise. So I also coach around that, like embracing the adversity uh, and the gifts in adversity and difficult times. So
1: yeah. Wait. First of all, what were... The things you were running on, you know, the subconscious programming. What w- what were the shoulds that you were um, following? So
2: some of the things that I picked up uh, from the people around me were were things like were things like being open hearted and being really giving, but to the expense of your soul. So my mother is embody embodies that. My mother embodies that giving sacrificial woman that gives everyone everything. And she really put herself on the back burner. So I learned that that was how it was. That's just how it is, that that's what you do. You give, you give, you give, and you don't ask for anything back. And that led me into a lot of damaging relationships and difficult situations where I was people pleasing all the time. I was uh, never saving anything for myself. I didn't even, I didn't even think that that was a thing. So I essentially lost a lot of myself along the way, uh, believing that I was being of service and, and that that was a noble
1: deed. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, And in some perspectives, I suppose it is, and it's also self-damaging. So that self-damage catches up over time. And I ended up at one point just having, I've had a few sort of comeback moments where uh, I've hit rock bottom and one of them was in my late 20s after I had been in an abusive relationship for about seven years. And I, I don't know how I got out of there. I had to leave the country to actually sever ties. And I've had that happen sort of twice in my life, mm-hmm. where I, I had to sort of begin again. And that was when I opened myself up to uh a new ways of doing it. So I talked about this recently. Some people think my, you know, the biggest transformation happened uh like just a few years ago. And actually it the first version of Daring to Suck happened when I was about 25. And I came back from that relationship, or it was 26 and i was like well what do i do what just happened like slowing down tuning in paying attention taking responsibility not blame taking responsibility for for what happened because i couldn't do anything about what he did or how he behaved but i could see that i participated in that and so uh on my in my group recently i talked about Me looking at that and saying, okay, well, how can I, how could I have interrupted this from like from happening again? How could I have interrupted the pattern? What's my pattern? And my pattern was always compromising myself. And I didn't know who, I didn't necessarily know who I was in a way, but I knew how it felt. I knew how it felt to feel compromised. So, I got really clear with myself about how that felt (laughs) and it felt really not good. And I was like, well, what can I do? So I made an agreement with myself and I wrote it down in my journal and I was thinking there was going to be a whole list of them. Like if I'm going to do this new, I'm going to make a whole list of new rules for me to consider. And the one I came up with was every time I feel compromised, I'll speak up. So I imagined all the areas in my life where I do this. And at that time there was a lot of, um, heat with my mother, like a lot of um, tension, a lot of um, breaking up of codependent sort of patterns that I was aware of. That was where I felt disempowered. And then with my friends, there was a little bit, but not much. And with like boyfriends and stuff, like that's where I really lost a lot. So I was thinking, okay, if any one of them were to infringe on the rule and to like cross the line, what would I do? Like, how would I actually enforce the thing, you know? And so, um, so, I actually came up with this. sounds so silly, but I'm telling you, it's like it might sound anally retentive or, um, I gotta write but, that down, mm. but or you know, like super strict because I'm not usually like that, but I wanted to set myself up for success. Mm-hmm. So, I, I almost had like a little script and it went like this, and I just wanted to make it simple. And if anyone ever crossed the line, I came up with these three words it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great start. Great start. <laughs> that's like, it's yeah. not okay. And so what I knew about it's not okay is that uh, I thought, okay, well then what are they going to say? Then they'll probably say, what do you mean? Like what, what do you, what's going on? And I knew two things. If I knew exactly what was, what was not okay, I'll speak it. Like I'll say it. But if I don't, that's the probably the thing that I thought would happen most of all is that I would feel that gut like ugh, compromise And I wouldn't exactly know what it was. So I was like, well, what do I do then? Because then they're going to want an answer. They're going to want to know right then and there. Like they're going to want me to have my shit together, right? And so I was like, what if I don't? What if I don't have the words? What if I don't know what to say? Because that's where we all get tripped up. It's like when we feel compromised, we assume that we're supposed to A, know know exactly what's wrong with us and know exactly how to deal with it. So it's not okay. And then they'll say what? And I'll say, you know what? Right now, I don't know what it is, but in my body, I can feel there's something not okay, and I'm going to get back to you. So, uh, so that's what I did, and it happened. It happened, <laughs> and I practiced it, and it it was good.
1: Great stuff.
2: Oh, it changed things for sure. Um, oh, it changed things dramatically uh, because I, I did put it into practice in my my personal relationships. I actually ended up letting my my, peop, my people know, you know, letting my mom know, because I, I just went to the people that I knew I had some tension with. And I said, listen, I'm just trying a few new things about how to express myself. So bear with me. So anyway, but it, it actually came into play really powerfully when I met my, uh, my now husband. So I met him online. And serendipitously, I put a, an ad out so this a few of them I was talking to, and one of the guys said to me, oh, so what do you do? And I told him what I did. And at the time, I was working in this office, and I had lots of different jobs. And he wrote me back and said, oh, so you're like a glorified secretary, dog's body, gopher, Oh, my God. It was like all these like lists of derogatory sort of stereotypes of women. And and I was so offended, you know, mm. and I realized I was so compromised. Like, here you go, Carrie Ann. You don't know this person. You're not just getting okay. to them them. Not okay.
0: That's <laughs> not right okay.
2: On. So I hit reply right away, which I would never would have done. I never would have done that. And I I was completely irrational, but it felt so good. And so I told him to go to hell like a hundred different ways. And, and I knew enough about him. So I was like, oh, isn't, you know, um, at least I'm not a glorified nerd. And like, isn't your Dungeons and Dragons group calling? And I was just so, it was a little bit venomous. And I was very animated, but I told him to go to hell in about a million different ways. And then I hit send. And I just felt so free from the pattern. Like, wow, that was the first time I felt like I expressed myself in real time and didn't care if I was a hot mess. It felt so good and, and oh my gosh, that feels good. And I was literally doing this little strut around my office and my guns were out. And um, I was like, woohoo, you know, that felt good. And all of a sudden my computer went, doo like, And I'm like, Oh, my God, he responded. Oh, my God, like, I have to be accountable now for my, you know, irrational behavior. But I was like, whatever, fine. So I open it up. And I'm expecting a fight or some like crappy response. And he writes, I think I'm gonna like our little chats with a smiley face. And I suddenly realized, oh, my God, he was joking, like he was kidding. And then I felt so foolish and then I felt embarrassed and like (gasps) but his uh, reaction is
1: great isn't it it was
2: It, it, it intrigued me to the point where I remember feeling this rush of like Oh man, something's happening. Like that's weird. Like I don't know what what's happening right now, but that just struck me. Wow. Um I really opened up the range in, in which I can show up in this relationship. You can really just be yourself. I can see now what a wonderful foundation that provided for me to be prepared for my most recent I ended up you know, taking this, uh, univ- I always wanted a university degree. Like I didn't know why I just, I made it about these things. And so I bought into the whole, I'll take my training and use it in corporate. And so I ended up, uh, doing that and even going into public, you know, like doing public company stuff and investor mm-hmm. relations and communications and, and ending up with this office that overlooked the city core in, in downtown core in Vancouver. I had the beautiful office. I had, I had money coming in. I had everything that I wanted, but I was continuously dissatisfied Mm -hmm. in myself. So everything outside was sort of going good. Um, But I I knew inherently that I was in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. I was living the wrong gig. How Um, did
1: you change that?
2: Well, it changed for me. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I had a lot of hints. I think that there are three ways to make change. You can either take the leap. A lot of people do it. I find that amazing when people take that leap. Uh, there is the dabbling, like oh, I've got this thing that's hinting at me, maybe I'll do some training on the side, um or the side job or whatever, and then there's the third one which you do nothing, like do nothing, don't change at all, Until it and the universe you. will friggin the universe will sort it out, and it's usually in devastation, it's usually in unwelcomed. Unsolicited. Yeah, me too. Yes, right. Packages, mm-hmm. and you think, oh my god, the world is happening to me, mm-hmm. and we feel victim. I felt victimized. I felt so. How that showed up for me was everything was sort of rolling along quite nicely, building up to the point where we got married in 2007. We had the most amazing honeymoon in, in Australia, and it was like uh, the things dreams were made of. That was such a dream year. And then, you know, I was almost just on the cusp of making change for myself. And then I found out I was pregnant and I ended up having this really like confusing response to that, which was terror, Mm. which was not me at all um, because I'm a nurturer and I'm like the mother to all my friends. And so it was just a natural, like, of course, I'll end up having kids sort of feeling. And then when it happened to feel that opposite, that opposition of, Terror, fear, uh, confusion, and now I look back and I understand why, and I, I know that it's because part of me was just feeling like I was going to finally meet my own needs and try to get my own heart's desires filled, and then I I, I realized, couldn't. well, I took on the role. Like, mm-hmm. look at the role. Do you see? Like, taking it back to the beginning of our conversation, the role of my mother was to give and never and just completely, exactly. you know slide into that thing
1: and, you and saw I was yourself falling back into that
2: it was being presented to me it was a given it was mm-hmm. like well if you're a mother welcome to what that means here you go exactly. and I saw my potential just kind of go away and it was like no that's over that ship has sailed which was I think just heartbreaking to know that I had my chance and I missed it you know like that's what it felt like and um and so I, I mourned I was kind of mourning that. And when I finally got used to the idea and actually embraced it and started to feel the joy around it of acceptance and like all the things that we actually were, I shifted my mindset and I started to feel really good about it. And we shared our news with everyone. Um, and it was such a joyful day. And I woke up the next morning and miscarried. Oh, so,
1: like, why life? What are you, yeah, why? why is well, this
2: happening? Yes, and I was supposed to go into why. I think we're mm-hmm. supposed to. I think those on your knees moments of feeling hmm, put there. Yeah, lost. Are intentional uh, and not cruel. I don't think they're. I understand now that it's not meant to be cruel. It's through experiences like that that help you understand something. You're not supposed to get it right away. Like I'm not ever intent, like implying that. If anyone listening is in a in an on your knees moment, you are supposed to be there and it's okay to be exactly right there and to cry why and to scream at the universe and to have that experience because that is something. Mm-hmm. Something is happening for you there, but to find that, you've got to be willing to absolutely surrender mm-hmm. to those moments and not fight them. And I was and because of that, I uh I was able to pick up the gifts in that loss. Um so sometimes we can walk around thinking, well, why did that thing happen, but always keep your eye open for for the closing of that loop because when I found out I was pregnant for the second time, a I knew it before I even took the test. And then when I took the test and found out, I ended up having the on the back of the horse expansive, joyful experience that I always knew I I I was destined to have around what it meant to become, uh, to embrace motherhood, I guess. And in that moment, I realized I never would have had that joy had I not had the loss, had I not had a deep Mm -hmm. appreciation of what that means, of what's happening, you know? So um, so that shifted a lot, and then uh, two days after, I found out I was pregnant, and we had this joyful like we just told everyone right away. I mean, we realized we've already mm-hmm. been to hell. In fact, what do we have to lose now? Let's just tell everybody right away and just everybody be on board. I lost my job on the Monday, and my company dissolved. And not only did I lose my job, my corner office—I'm like I lost the, I lost it all, and I lost all of our money too, which <laughs> sucked.
1: Oh God! So, so you so, were really being taught how to dare to suck. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah. So that I, because you notice I was doing some work. I had been sort of moving into more self awareness. Um, and I still was also unwilling to change the, the structure in my life, like how my life was set up. I was unwilling to leave the job. I was too attached. I was way too attached to the status and the money and what it meant and what I believed it meant and all those beliefs. So I had to lose it. So I not only did I lose it, but I lost all of our investments. And we basically became ridiculously poor overnight. And I remember thinking, how are we going to do this? Like my husband was in school and there was a, that was a literal, like, no, no, really somebody, you got to tell me. Cause I don't know, like <laughs> there's nothing coming in and I'm pregnant. And so I wasn't entitled to, um, maternity benefits for like another 10 months it was real jam and um mm-hmm. so another on your knees moment like and and the universe or the world or life says well what are you going to do now are you going to open up and surrender to this experience and actually accept it <laughs> like what the hell cuz that didn't feel natural um Uh, Or are you going to fight and try and make things happen? Which I actually tried. I tried. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and find work before I get too big. But guess what? The market wouldn't receive me because there were no jobs. It was the meltdown of 2008. And I couldn't get a job to save my life. And I was trying. So pay attention to when you feel like you're trying everything and you're doing everything and you're doing everything you can and you're still not making any ground there's another thing being asked of you, which is maybe you need to stop doing. Maybe you actually have to look at how you're being. So I was like, fine. I remember saying, I went for a walk one day, and I was like, fine. All, everything in my life is saying to me, apparently, just sit on your ass and receive this time and just see what happens. So let go. And I did. And I bawled my, I mean, grace is a hot mess. People ask for grace, Careful what you ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, um, and I did that and I started to play around with the idea for like oh, a week. I was like, fine, I'll give myself a week to see what this feels like. And I ended up uh, still unwilling to let go of the corporate thing. I tried to go back in, ended up getting another job, my dream job, I thought. And then the same thing happened. The company started to go down. I lost my contract and I found out I was pregnant at this again. No job, no money pregnant (laughs) in another economic meltdown of 2011 (laughs) and uh, I sat on my couch and I was just admitting to a girlfriend like surrendering in another way saying listen hands out I don't know like I really didn't know I said you know I don't know what I'm gonna do I don't know what's meant for me like uh, and I I think I was kind of asking in a way just putting it out there like I'm open I heard a quote that week from Oprah that said "Your, your life is always talking to you so what is it saying? And I remember thinking, I'm going to start paying attention in a new way, in an even more new way. Like, I think I had already started practicing them. And my girlfriend blurted at me. And she said, remember that coaching thing you used to like? And I looked at her like she had three heads, because I hadn't talked about coaching since we lived together when we were in our 20s. When I was 25, like go back to that time. And I was like, "What do I have real problems here. What are you bringing that up for? Like, come on. And she's like, Well, you really liked it. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I did. And she's like, And you'd be really good at it. And like, I think you're kind of, you kind of do that already. So, and I met this coach, and she introduced me to this world of coaching and what it even meant. And I was like, this is a real thing? Oh, my God. And this, and she's like, this is, Kieran, I think you're meant to do this. And this woman, this angel that I didn't even know swooped into my life, grabbed me by the shoulders and said, you are meant to do this. And I know it. And she helped me get into a program to teach me what it was all about. And it, it was like I'd finally met my people. And I was so excited, and it was in one of the training sessions that I was obviously trying way too hard, you know, just trying to do it right. And uh, I got called out when the instructor said, you know, just off the cuff, I dare you to suck. And it, it rung a bell in me very deeply. And I was just like, I hear that differently. I know how you meant it, but I think I kind of want to live my life like that. And so then I started writing about it and living this daring to suck process, which was, I'm just going to dare myself to do things and not care if I'm bad at it. Like, what if I made that a thing and wrote about it and shared my experiences and, and built my business at the same time, like started to bring clients in that resonated with my story and some of the adventures I was going on. And, and they were inspired for goodness sakes. Like I didn't realize that me sharing my most intimate stuff would inspire people and then I and now I know more now I know even more and today that uh it's led me here
1: How do you teach your clients to detach themselves from the outcome
2: it's a shift of um it's a shift in power like how we give power to the end like we really put all of our eggs in that um we put. The whole gold star, the blue ribbon, there. And it, it disregards everything that went into it in some ways. Like even in, the, even in having the idea to do something, that's worth celebrating. Like that, like you're robbing yourself of the joy that's along the way. So how do I do that? I, I ask the question, what would it be like to be unattached to the outcome? What does it mean for you? Because I know what it meant for me. So this is where we think, well, she wants me to say that. No, it's like this is where we need to just really own our own, like what's in us that wants to be said about that and just be with that unique response because that's for you to know. And for me, uh, my first response was not good. I was like, well, what's the friggin' point? Mm-hmm. I was so bought into the outcome that I resented my coach for even inviting it into the space well, you've invalidated my whole existence. I don't understand. I don't get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, Well, I'm gonna go now, I'm gonna leave you with it. And I was just like, what? what? No. And he's like, You're not supposed to answer it right away. It's a big question. So right now you say, What's the point? I want you to come back to it tomorrow. Ask again and see. Because it was total resistance. I was like, wow, I'm so resistant to even answering the question because what's the point? And the longer I stayed with the question, I started to find my own way through it to the end when I, at the end of it, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, being an attached to the outcome would mean not necessarily giving, not caring about other people or not caring it, to me. It was like just caring more about me, caring more about the intention, caring more about why actually putting all my eggs in that, all my oomph, all the energy and all the power in the reason. Mm -hmm. And so if I, if I stayed in the intention of everything, well, then I'm winning all the time. You know, and it actually makes way more flexibility. Think about the flexibility of that. I have more flexibility to change and morph and evolve with it as opposed to being so stuck about how it is supposed to go. I limit myself if I hang out in the outcome. But if I stay with it, I can evolve with it I can I can actually make those adjustments I can adjust the sale and it be more intuitively led
1: and it brings vulnerability into the game right and a lot of people are resistant to that, so how do you help them with that
2: well um well this is where you know what does it mean to be vulnerable and and that's not for me to answer so I'm throwing that out for each person who's listening find out what it means for you because my definition of it isn't going to help you. Only your definition of it is going to help you because once you understand what you believe vulnerability to be, that's for you to know and say, okay. So it, it helps us sort of take more personal responsibility and personal ownership uh, and put the wheel back, hand back on the wheel of our life and say, okay, well, um, you know, so if, if you believe it means weakness and if you believe it means you're susceptible to attack, You know, get really curious about that. You know, when you see other people be vulnerable, is that really true? What happens when other people are vulnerable? How are you with someone that is vulnerable? Do you want to attack them?
1: They're a lot more relatable usually. Yeah,
2: nine times out of ten, unless you're a complete psychopath, Um, (sighs) you got to make room for the psychos, I guess. (laughs) Right? I don't want to be like so idealist. Um, But yeah. People think, oh, if I show them my jugular, if I, you know, reveal my weakness, that they're just going to come up and karate chop me right in the, like, right, right in that soft spot. And the truth is, nine times out of ten, when you are that willing to be seen, um, they don't. They actually, it actually dissolves. Vulnerability, to me, is the ultimate power. It's the ultimate superpower. It has the power to dissolve walls And break open hearts and uh, break down masks and facades and have people just, they don't know how to be with it sometimes and that's okay. You know, that just shows how unfamiliar they are and and how um, they haven't been exposed to it. So then you end up becoming a leader at the same time without knowing it. Like who knew that that was leadership? But to me, I know that to be so true. It's a new leadership that's uh, making its way.
1: But I think self-worth is uh, the basis of all this, because you can't own your vulnerability if you think you're not worthy at all, then you just try and people please everyone, right? So how do you start building up self-worth um, <gasps> if there's a great lack? because there is in many of us?
2: Yes, there is. So what I want people to where I want people to start is to remember what they forget it's like remember what you forgot remember what you forgot which means um a lot of the times we innocently believed our self-worth was built on external validation external feedback what we heard from people what we saw from people what we received from people experiences we had shaped our perception of self-worth so therefore if that person didn't respond to me i must not be worthy of responding to and it's and it's false. Um, and it, I, a child always sort of comes up. It's usually it, it, uh, when we're children, we're handed over to people. Um, we're, we're you know we're delivered to people that sometimes don't know how to amateurs amateurs bless them and their innocence because there's innocence everywhere. Um, so yeah, when we're handed to these people, that I. I have no doubt in my mind that we're delivered to the people that we are meant to be delivered to because they're great teachers for us to help us find our way back home. Because, you know, through those adverse moments they they point us inward because because if we keep pointing outward, well we're never getting our needs met. So, but it's almost like the last place we look. So I say remember what you forgot, meaning take a look from your adult, wiser, more experiential self, your big self, the one that knows, um, and you picture that innocence that didn't get what she needed, it's like really see her. You're the one that gets to see her. So if you see her, what qualities do you want to acknowledge her for? Who is she? Because she never heard it. You know, she never got that. So we end up becoming our own superheroes. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for other people to do it for us. And when someone handed that back to me, it was actually, I was like in my teens um, when this happened. I think it was a, it was, I used to run home and watch Oprah when I was like nine years old. When my friends wanted to go play and I was like, no, Oprah's on. <laughs> I gotta go watch Oprah, which also made me a bit weird. Um, there was this guy on there that did this uh, visualization of imagining your childhood home, like around the age of five. And he had you walk in the house and find your old room and go into the room and find your five-year-old self and to sit with her. And it changed so much for me uh, because when I sat there with her, he was saying, you know, sense into what she needs. What did she need from the people she was given to? What did she not get? What is she missing? And he offered the opportunity for me as a, gro- a grown up, I was like nine or 10 years old. Um, well, the, I was actually more in my, um, I, no, I was in, I was about 14. So I used to run home at the age of like nine or 10. But it was when I was in my mid teens that this happened. And it, and it offered me the opportunity, my grown up self. That's so funny because I did feel so grown up. <laughs> 14. And it gave me the opportunity to A, go be with her identify what she needed and she didn't get and to be the mom you know to be that loving nurturing presence and at the end of it when i noticed in the beginning she was on the other corner and i was on the other corner of the bed and then we started sharing more openly and then i started giving her the things that she needed the validation and the acknowledgments and uh just so much so and it filled her up to the point where he was like all right now pick her up and get her the hell out of there. Like pick her up, put her on your hip, and let's go. Like grab her hand and walk out
1: of the house. Oh, my God. That's yeah. touching. That's really touching.
2: Oh, and I just got goosebumps. And oh, it, it, changed. Of yeah, it changed everything for me because I, I took my power back. Mm-hmm. I took my power back in that moment. And I know people had it worse than I did. Um, and that's not even, I don't know why I'm saying that. I think it's just like, I understand how tough that can be for some people to, to take their power back but, and, and it not be about anything against the people that hurt us. It's actually nothing about them. It's about us just remembering and reconnecting with the very person that has been under our nose the whole time, which is ourselves. And I don't think we're supposed to know that until we're, that opportunity isn't supposed to happen until we're older. It doesn't make sense for us to be that together when we're five, six, seven, eight, nine, like to do that. So, I, so it makes sense for us to come back and retrieve, retrieve, continuously retrieve parts of ourselves that are innocently stuck in time, that are requiring messages and that unconditional love that we actually know how to give because it's the very thing we want it's pretty awesome. Like we're really, what I know now is we are the most <laughs> awesome. I, what's the word I usually use? It's like, we have the most incredible GPS system. We have the most incredible system. We have the, we're like the most fascinating package and we just don't have the manual. And once you start to figure out how how you work, oh, it's like everything you do need is inside of you. And it, um, and it's just using those resources and knowing that you're making yourself worthy enough to give and receive from yourself, like just finally blowing that up, like what if what would it be like to finally get what you wanted um from the very person you actually need it from you know anyway it's it's a it's a big it's yeah. a big thing wow that wasn't very deep
1: <laughs> and it's taking the power back instead of wanting it from the outside and then you know people pleasing or Dishonoring yourself or changing yourself into someone you're not in order to be validated by someone else. That's usually leading to some sort of catastrophe sooner or later. And then we only then start to learn how to really feel self worth and build it up from the inside, right?
2: Yeah. Well, once you go back to those moments where you felt like you were not valued, be willing to look at the innocence on the on the inflictor or on that um, like whether it's a parent or, or someone that comes infiltrates your life and feels like it takes something from you, and to understand, to finally see and realize that it ab- absolutely had nothing to do with your worth. It had zero to do with your worth. It had everything to do with their experience, with their hurts, with their um, with their pain. It had zero to do with your worth. But innocently, you couldn't have seen it any other way because we don't have the voice, we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the awareness. So it makes a lot of sense that we innocently pick up that assumption. You know, we make innocent assumptions along the way. And once you can see it, that changes everything too because then you start to unravel every moment you felt disempowered and you say, oh, my God, I didn't know. Oh, shit. And it makes room for a new truth to replace it.
1: Yeah. But would you believe I had to turn 40 until someone told me that? And then I, mm. I was at many workshops and tried to work this stuff through and um, see the innocence. You might have read some of my blogs yeah. about my mom and my dad. Beautiful,
2: beautiful Thank vulnerability. You. Such a leader. Yeah, and I
1: I know that I used to blame and judge like crazy. I mean, I, I, I wished death upon my father who's still alive. And I was glad, I thought, quote unquote, that my mother was dead, which is totally ridiculous. I was probably just trying to protect myself from feeling through it. And after I had fell through it, the blaming and the judging just fell away because I saw that we're only passing on what we've been handed. And that's what innocent. happened. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: And to love the one even that wanted to blame, like bringing it in to be with those parts of you that, that rise up. And it's never, not that it's never done, but there's always some, something new that's going to show up, um, even if it feels old. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, is that still here? Um, mm, right. And I, th- I, as soon as I hear the still, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, you know. Like, am I really? It, there's no completion to the self-actualization process. So how am
1: I going to be with me? I think it sucks that it's never over. Frankly, every time I see <laughs> the woman on the fifth floor in my in my apartment block, I remember that she once asked me, "Are you pregnant?" Just because I, I was like, no, this is a food baby, man. And, <laughs> and every time I see her, this comes to mind and I want to start hating on her. And then I'm like, ah, this is probably about her and not me. But this is so, it really ah cut me to the core. And every time I see her, I want to go, why
2: well, did you tell me? Look at where she's pointing you. Look at where she's pointing you to be with. So, this is where FUs can turn into thank yous. <laughs> this is where, so I am so aware every time I have an FU in my life, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily quick to go to the thank you, but I'm like, oh, I know that you are showing me something. So, what and did I, she show me? Well, where is she taking you to? Where is she pointing you to? Think about it. Body image?
1: Mm, yeah, of How course. You see
2: yourself? Well, there, oh, so you of say, of course, but yeah, it's right there. Mm-hmm. So self image, mm-hmm. body image,
1: mm-hmm.
2: body healing, the healing the relationship with your body.
1: Mhm. But I was resistant because, to that because I was convinced that she was right. I did look pregnant and this had to be fixed. That's the problem. It,
2: I Thank you. So I'm, she's pointing you to that. Mm-hmm. She's pointing you to the dissonance that's in you because it doesn't feel right. That's the tension that's in you. So this is where they are gifts in our life. They're horrible on the surface. We're like, oh my God, you are horrible. You make my eyes want to bleed and my ears want to, I don't want to see and I don't want to hear. And it hurts and it can hurt. Oh, it did. That would be like if she walked up to you and said, oh, are you a carrot?
1: That wouldn't have hurt. Right. Because it wouldn't have struck a chord.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So that's your chord. And your chord is your chord. It's your beautiful chord. So go be with your chord. Mm-hmm. Go be with your cord. What does your cord need? What does it need to know from the part of you that knows? The part of you, the nurturing mother part, the woman, the one that holds all with compassion and openness and unconditional love. Like, well, go be with the hurt. Hold it. What does it need? That it, What is the hole that needs to be filled here? What is the need that needs to be met? What have I not given myself that I could really give myself right here? Is it a good cry? Is it just to release that baggage? So some people walk along and then we think, oh my God, I think triggers are the most miraculous things. And I will ride those suckers because sometimes I'll get triggered for something that doesn't make any logical sense. Mm-hmm. Like it, the trigger would be like very superficial, like I'll do like this, I'm sh- sort of showing you with my fingers and it's like maybe an inch deep, very sh- superficial. But my response feels like the ocean. Huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. And that's a wake-up call for me. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, that is incongruent. What she's saying to me is probably not a big deal, but my reaction is hot. You mm-hmm. know, like I am like, oh. exactly. And sometimes I think um, we don't need to think so much and analyze. Sometimes it's like maybe she's just coming through for me to absolutely lose my shit, ball my eyes out, and release that trapped, Pain that is residing in my body that I don't need anymore. What if I didn't even want, you know want to name it? What if I just want to absolutely have an irrational moment of anger, rage, disempower, like in in reaction to the disempowerment? You know, it's almost like she triggered, um, like suppressed power. Mm-hmm. Like that's how old it is. This is where it gets a little woo-woo, but because sometimes I'm like, this does not feel appropriate. Like, it feels ancient. Mm -hmm. Some of the feelings feel so ancient. Like, you're carrying it for every woman that came before you, and you are the chosen one that is now here to, like, be the one.
1: going to to solve
2: it. To not just, to release it, to Mm -hmm. let it be known, to let your voice be heard, to speak up, to scream it to the sky. Mm -hmm. It's not for her to hear. It's for you to release. So... So that's an opportunity for you. To see it and, as
1: a gift, yeah.
2: And, and then what happens is our mind make, twists it quickly, and, and then we buy into the circle. We buy into that cycle again. And so if you can interrupt that pattern and say, you know, whoa, what's the opportunity here for me? What could I do that I haven't done before? Like, what What if you took that rage and went out and hit shit? Like, and just like, oh, I
1: would I mean? love like, to, yeah. Instead, like, I felt so shamed I could have crumpled inside myself. It was just like I want to disappear from this world,
2: yeah, take it, and
1: yeah, I did. Find,
2: yeah and
1: uh the anger only came later, yeah, <laughs> when I saw her again, like I felt the need to attack her, <laughs> and then i uh, yeah, I did um go inside and find out why is this. Causing such a reaction, I could have just said no, thanks. <laughs> so yeah. it was actually something to say thank you for. But still, I don't like
2: her. <laughs> but still, I, I mean, like why do we have to be like? That? I mean, it's. Um, I, I know. I, yeah, I, I get- and she,
1: I, you know, I can sniff out people who have the same issues as I do, and I know that she's struggling with the same shit. That's why I thought, why do you have to ask me that? Because if I had asked you that, you would have gone and killed yourself. just, you know, but that's why I thought, yeah, just don't, why do women hurt each other like that? I'm I'm not, I'm not for that. That's not okay (laughs) to come back to your statement.
2: And there you go. That's not okay. That's an opportunity too. So, I mean, hell, um, that's for everyone. That's not for me. That's a, that's a giveaway for sure. Everyone take it. It's not okay. That's not okay that you say that to me. And I don't care if it feels awkward, but now she knows that there's a line and um, or when you say that, I, it makes me want to punch you in the face. I mean, you know, like, I'm not going to, yeah. but it certainly makes me want to because
1: uh, yeah. I, you know, you're a nice
2: enough lady most of the time. But you know,
1: like, <laughs> yeah, we could achieve so much greater things if we stood together instead of attacking each other for something that doesn't even matter. I mean, yeah. Well, as a side note. <laughs> so yeah. I want to ask you about your your program, Daring to Suck. How do you help your clients find fulfillment in their life that they've been craving and not giving themselves or not finding?
2: Right. Well, I mean, I offer, um, I offer a, a bit of a structure into my coaching. Um, and and obviously, it's customized as well. So I, I, I do one on one coaching for people that want to work directly with me. And I also have a, a group program. So what you just said, Uh, I realized how important it is for us to share stories, for us to share with each other, that that actually is much more powerful and amplifies transformation when we can learn how to actually practice this, um, this self-discovery and unraveling the beautiful unraveling and may everything that is not you fall away. Ness (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, with each other. So I have a, a group program where I bring four women into a sacred Type circle and we do it all online actually we meet online every every two weeks for four months and we move through each step and we bring our real life we bring our real issues we bring our real conflict into the space to to unravel it to tease it out to find the the nuggets and to yeah to help shift things to help shift things in their life to get them moving again and what happens is the real magic isn't in what I have to offer I mean I'm, I'm a guide I'm a facilitator and it's usually in the women the cross-pollination of oh my gosh you're me oh my gosh I'm you oh my gosh we are the same and it just it blows their mind and their heart wide open and they realize oh my gosh if I can be myself with these three women that means I can do this in my life. Like what now I know. Okay, I get the game now. We are all the same. Holy crap. And it helps embody that awareness. Um so I do that um and uh and yeah, so that's what I'm that's what I'm working on right now.
1: <laughs> what are some steps that people could take that are just listening and hearing that for the first time?
2: Uh well, what the first step is to um well, very simply, daring to suck is slowing down and paying attention. What's your life saying to you? And be willing and curious. Willing and curious—that means being very open to hearing things that may feel like they're against you. But to stay curious means you stay, you keep the lines of communication open because there's something in behind it that's also true and like actually for you. Um, so there's Can you make the an example. In. Oh, like, uh, gosh. Well, things that happen in your life and you think it's one thing, but it's really another. It's like you think it's ad- adversity and like the world's against you or this woman, right? Like maybe, maybe there's something else going on here. Uh, what am I being challenged? How am I being put into a corner here? And what is the opportunity here for me to, like, what am I being asked to do here that I really don't want to do? But what's important about that? <laughs> you know, like, oh gosh, what's happening? Um, and to step forward uh, and to speak up. So the tuning in is to have you slow down and tune in to your own responses. Be with your stuff inside you and speak it up. And people here speak up and they think, oh, my gosh, she wants me to go, like, start a war with the lady down the hall. Uh, and it's like, no, speak up for yourself first. Yeah. Be clear with how you feel. Be, be with you first. Speak up with you first. Mm-hmm. You know, do your inside stuff. Be aware. And then find a way of how you want to start letting people know about what you're learning or how you want to take that learning and apply it. And so those are the two steps that I would say, and and to find out how you want to roll with that.
1: Is that what you mean when you say um, admitting your shit is pivotal to move forward in life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, admit. Admission is great because admission isn't about the other person.
2: You get to just admit stuff. Like, you want to know how I heard that? Oh, my God, when you said that, I heard it this way. What? And and you get to hold your own innocent. It can actually be quite funny to admit your foibles, to admit how you hear things, to admit your distortions, mm-hmm. like admit how you distort things. Do you want to know what? When you put the laundry on the bed, it, uh, it makes me feel like we're at war. Like, I feel like I want to just like flip the bed and like, you know what I'm saying? And my husband will be like, really? And I'm like, yeah, isn't that funny? Isn't that weird? But it's kind of enraging at the yeah. same time. Like
1: Just opening like, up.
2: Just opening up and, and admitting to how I see things, admitting to how I feel. Um, and it's never about the other person. So a lot of the times our mind will say, "We'll make it about the other person because that's where we're going to feel really in control. And it gets to point the finger and all this stuff. But eh. it's like, well, what if I just admitted how I felt? And then engaged in more of a two-way conversation where the person might actually hear what I have to say as opposed to them feeling defensive. So I find that when I admit how I'm coming to the table and my limits and my whatever, my perceptions, that it invites other people to say either, oh, yeah, me too, or, oh, that's like – vulnerability when people see other people willing to put skin in the game it feels really awkward when they in themselves when they don't it's this weird human like (laughs) some people might choose not to but the instinct is to join the instinct is to like get in the water it's warm (laughs) like everyone else is in the pool gosh it takes one person to jump in and, and be like look and everyone's jumping in the pool so that's been my experience and i've played a lot with admit you shit um, cause it's not really shit. It's like, it's your mini truth, you know, a little mini truth that you, you reveal yourself to people and it can be a lot of fun.
1: That sure sounds like a more fulfilled life. And I want to just acknowledge that a lot of fear comes up, uh, when we are traveling on this journey. So what would your advice be for women if they are dealing with a lot of fear? Well, I don't know. I mean, let it talk.
2: I mean write it write it down be with it be with it find out what it says have a dialogue with it that doesn't mean it wins I mean like this is where we think this is where we think oh if I feed it if I pay attention to it it's gonna eat me alive or something and it and no, it doesn't actually. It's almost like you let go of the rope and you say, all right, fear, come on in. Like, what is going on with you, man? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. fear has, might have a persona. It might, you know, be with it. How, how would you describe it? How does it feel? What kind of a character would it be if it were in a movie, you know? Like, what does it have to say? Learn from it. Because it's actually trying to point you to something that maybe you haven't, uh, haven't seen. You haven't, because who wants to get close to it? I think our society says, well you know, just be positive, just be positive and just, and I I don't agree with that. I I just fundamentally don't agree with be positive. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Because I think we're many parts. So um, that would be like forsaking a whole wing of me, (laughs) forsaking a part of me just because it's not positive. That's not okay. That's not okay in my books because they have value they're just misunderstood. So I want to, uh, my job in my life is to start understanding my parts as they arise and to bring that curiosity. So that is what I say. Bring curiosity, ask us some questions. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of the fear. Welcome in and see what happens. See, see what you learn from it. Even if it's just to vent, sometimes the fear just might want to vent. And when you see it down on paper, you go, oh, your wiser self reads it and like sees it and says, oh man, hang on, okay, so we just got rid of some junk, some space junk or some emotional clutter maybe, and then ask the question, what's here now? Is the fear feel the same? Notice that. Does it feel the same that it did when we first sat down and talked? And I'll bet you 10 times out of 10, it'll feel different. Something's going to change just by hanging out with it. So just
1: follow it. Yeah. It's comforting to know for me that fear comes up for everybody, all the time, and it's just about dealing with it and not expecting for it not to be there, and to be fearless because no one is fearless, right?
2: That's right. So, what's our relationship with the fear? Knowing that it's a, it's an inherent part of us that is there for safety, um, and and exploration. Like it's when you're afraid, it's saying something big's about to happen, something unfamiliar. So it's more about unfamiliarity. That's it. So if you realize that, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I've never done this before. It makes a lot of sense that I would – I don't know. Who jumps into I don't know and doesn't feel some sense of – it's so crazy. I mean, look at the silliness of the, of the expectation we have on ourselves to be this superhero, like just delivered that way, that we're just like this – like it just –
1: it's not just happening.
2: silly. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it doesn't make any sense for us to assume that we should be that. That uh, yeah, again, perfect. There's nothing to work on. Not work on, but there's no growth. There's no. There's no. That's not interesting. That's just not interesting. I mean, <laughs> straight up, that's pretty boring to feel fully put together. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: the author Elizabeth Gilbert has a beautiful way of putting it. Like uh, fear gets to come along for the drive but it doesn't get to drive, drive. and not touch the dial on on the radio <laughs> so it just gets to sit on the back seat and drive along and i really really like the picture because it makes sense you're not saying stay out of here but you tell that okay you're invited but you have to sit in the back seat you don't get to say where we're going <laughs>
2: And when you said that, I pictured I pictured me driving and me reaching my hand over across the seat and holding its hand.
1: Oh, that's almost too that? sweet. Yeah, but that's really sweet. Um, it's pretty friggin' sweet. Yeah, I'm, because I'm, I'm, I'm fear not yet. is mis-
2: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, my fear is usually just incredibly innocent and misguided. And it's like carrying a bunch of old stuff. So I'm like, it's okay, because I'm the mama. So if yeah. I'm the mama, it's like, I got you. I know you don't get it. You know, it's like with kids, with kids in the grown-up world. Sometimes they're like, I don't understand. And and that's where we do show up. And we say, you know, sometimes I don't understand either, but I do know something. I do know something uh, that's hard to describe, but to hold its hand and be like, well, at least, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that feels true for me. And I understand that that's going to be different for other people. Some people are going to want to put it in the trunk. And I'm telling you, the first time I did this work, so fear and I have evolved. So I'm telling you, yeah, we've evolved. In the beginning, it was very much a plug my ears, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. I literally did that one day in real life (laughs) and ran out of my house with my keys to make sure that I could, oh, God, that I could go out for coffee with myself. I mean, it was so, that is how fear or like oppression, this oppressive energy was in my life where Mm. my husband said I'd had my first son and he was like, you know, um, I'm going to take, you know, Denny for a couple of hours and you go have some time by yourself. And I was like, what? Like, what am I going to do? And, and the closer the time started ticking and I was like, well, Oh, by the time I, the voice came in, by the time you get your keys and like get in the car and go and do the thing, it's like, what's
1: the point?
2: It's the point. And I remember thinking, "Oh my God!" Like being so face to face with the voice when you hear it, and you go. So sometimes in the beginning, it's just brutal action. It's radical action that just needs to help you see that it's possible to break to see what's on the other side of it. So I literally grabbed my keys as soon as I heard it, and I was like, "Oh my God! La la la! I can't hear you!" Just grabbed my wallet and I ran out the door. And I ended up getting to the coffee shop in like five minutes and I had like an hour to sit. And I was like, that was so silly. It was laughable. I was like, man, I can't believe I just had that ridiculous experience with myself that I had to like run screaming out of my house to go for a stupid coffee only to learn how ridiculous this game is. And once I saw it, I was like, all right, okay, now I know how that feels. And now I know how it feels on the other side of it. So then you start, that's dabbling. That's, that's a pretty benign example like pretty safe it's not like i was out going on stage in front of hundreds of people or something i was going for a simple coffee so i mean pick and choose how you play with it and just to learn oh that's how it goes that i get my needs met that i actually have a nice experience and that little voice it i'm not quite ready to go engage with it yet but man i'm so aware of it now and um And now I'm going to know, I'm going to maybe do that for a while. So then I would play the la, 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 I can't hear you game for a while. And then I was felt more mature, more strong in myself, more confident to actually start engaging with it. So I think there is a a natural evolution about how we, uh, how we evolve with it. So, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely fair.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you one final question that would be, what would you like to be remembered for? Gosh, that's a good
2: question. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man. I mean daring to suck comes up. I think that feels that feels like something I would be uh, that would be a I would be proud to to leave a legacy behind of people that that connected to it and lived it and tried it and expanded because of it. So, so that feels, there's something there, but just, um, I would love to be remembered for being open and willing, just open and willing, open and willing. I mean, that just goes on and on because I think that to me is, uh, that says a lot. I think that's a nice way to live. I think that's inspiring. I'm inspired by people that are open and willing in that, um, in that vulnerable place. So yeah, maybe a mixture of the two. I
1: don't know. I can't let you leave without, um, you leaving your contact details with people where they oh. can find you and how they can, you know, if they want to find out about your programs.
2: Yeah. You can uh, find me on the interwebs, of daring to or you can find me under my name, Carrie on Facebook and all those beautiful bits and pieces. <laughs> The pages and the instagrams and all that jazz, whatever you you dig, you can find me on there and yeah i um uh, right now i 'm doing a free program that I do a few times a year when I actually take people through my my eight days of daring uh, for free just because i I just want people to experience it so have a look if it 's something that interests you try it on it 's definitely some it's a try it on and see how it fits you sort of experience
1: and when 's your next um, cycle of the group coaching that's a good question because um oh no my group coaching program i think
2: i'm actually going to launch it sooner oh someone's cutting their lawn outside sorry <laughs> um i'm maybe launching it sooner than later i was going to launch it in september but i may i may be bringing it forward um so yeah i don't know you just maybe uh connect with me on my on my page and sign up to my newsletter and then you'll be in the know or follow me on facebook and
1: i'll, I'll definitely i'm a
2: Oh my group, my Facebook group, the empathetic badasses. Oh my gosh,
1: listen to this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah I'll just link to everything in the show notes. Yes. And people can find all the infos on your on your website yeah. obviously, as well.
2: Yeah, I, I'm very interactive in my in my Facebook group. so that's actually a way to actually
1: connect directly to me uh, you know and, and have a dialogue. <laughs> I'll give your neighbor the show stage now. <laughs> with his lawnmower. Yeah, what <laughs> what <laughs> thank you so much for for connecting with me for having told told us about everything you do I think it's wonderful the work you do and thank you for being so open and vulnerable with me as well
2: thank you so much for letting me be a part of this I'm so excited for you this is wonderful thank you bye <laughs> bye
0: This was today's dose of bad badassery from Life Unrestricted. Find the show notes with links to everything we mentioned in this episode over at lifeunrestricted.org. And if this show is making you feel good, awesome, make sure to subscribe and please let others feel good too. By leaving a five-star review on iTunes, you'll help make this show more visible and therefore more accessible for others. You're the best. Thanks.